Hey guys, what's up? It's Ali and Frank. This is our first episode of Rick for Dirt. We're just a couple guys who like to get outdoors, have some experiences in our rigs, and want to share those with you. That was pretty professional. Was that pretty For the first podcast. For the very first for, one. For the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I think people are going to be very impressed with this first episode it's like, after hearing that. It's like having your hands up and not knowing what to do with your hands. Right. Exactly. What's happening? What do I say? What do I right say? Right at the very beginning. See, we can't do hands because it's podcast. Right. Right. Yeah. Little blessings. Exactly. Exactly. So, <sighs> so for those, obviously, everyone's joining us for the first time, right? So what is rigged for dirt to us? What does it mean? Why are we doing this? I don't know. When we first got together to start talking about doing this, I think our initial plan was to do a lot of video. But then we thought, man, we spend so much time on our rigs, and it's really hard to watch a video when we're That's on true. our way to different uh, trails, right? Right. But the one thing that we do all the time is we listen to the radio, and we listen to a lot of podcasts. Right. Right. But there isn't a lot of podcasts about what we do. There's Correct. a few. Yeah. Yeah, right? they're out there. Yeah, they're out there. But I think what, what the, the goal here, and, and not to not to compete is is mostly it's not so much about competition it's about like the tide lifts all boats right so it's a mix of content everyone kind of has their their style and their niche right sure i mean like i've been i'm fairly new to the overlanding and off-road uh, world but from the few crews that i've gone out with there's a lot of differences between Absolutely. them all and our core group that we tend to hang out with like this weekend we're at calico right. Um, our core group tends to be different from a lot of the guys, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I think that goes that goes to say for everybody, right? Like yeah. Everyone's got their unique kind of facets of what they uh, what they travel with. Right. And I think the kind of the focus of this podcast or kind of where it was born from and what we the discussions that we found ourselves having repeatedly and really discussing amongst ourselves is that we all have we're all in a similar point in our lives. Right. right. We're all like in this kind of 30 ish range where we used to camp as kids. Um, we used to go with our families and our friends. And then we went to school and then we got careers and then we got families and we got busy. Yep. Right. And then yep. now we're kind of now we're in this point now where we can rediscover that and get back to doing it. And, you know, that we're later more mature in our careers, maybe not as people, <laughs> but sure. But, yep. but as but in careers. Right. And so now it's like. You know, yeah, we're new to the overlanding scene in that sense, but we're not new to the outdoors. We're not new to camping. We're not new to car, no to car camping. Yep. Right? So, but there is a lot of hype and there is a lot of rediscovery of gear and of, you know, well, and dude, comfort even. Because when you were a kid, like, I used to sleep on the floor. Right. Like, and I didn't, I didn't even think twice about it. Like, now, that's not happening. I'm going to, I want to be comfortable. Well, I call, I call what we do with overlanding dad 2.0. Right. And right. I know, I mean, you don't have kids. I've got two. But regardless of whether you have kids or not, it really is is like that that father getting out there yep. into the elements. But just the new trend now, being on four wheels and kind of keeping everything in one place yeah. is different from back in the day when, you know, we went to Sequoia twice a year for every year until the age of like 16. Right. For right. me. And what it involved was getting thrown in the back of the car in my father's Taurus, at least when I was really young, with a ton of pillows, sleeping bags. I mean, I was basically <laughs> smothered right. all the way up north. Right. And uh, and then, yeah, to your point, like sleeping on the ground, um, you know, my dad being a first, like I was first generation, you know, Iranian here in the U.S. Yeah. And so my dad from the old country, I mean, we would just like park up like next to Hume Lake 
or down by King's River, not on a camping spot. Yeah. And, and uh, we'd have like bears coming by the camp. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was such a great experience. And now I get to do that with my kids, but you know, with a little bit of, I, I'd like to call it a little bit more luxury. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the important thing to note too, is that we're not coming at this from the perspective of, of experts. We're not claiming no. to be experts, but I think the fun in hopefully that people listening kind of the fun in this podcast is that we're discovering this together. Right. And everyone's at a different stage. Right. So you might be super advanced. You maybe you've been doing this for like like Olaf, who's who's camping with us. Right. He's been doing this forever. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but, you know, depending no matter where you are on in the in your journey, in your stage of overlanding or camping or adventuring, you're you can definitely like look back and reminisce and go, oh, yeah, I remember when I used to do that. Or I remember when I made that mistake. Or I remember, you know, and you can. Well, let's let's talk about let's talk about what gets you started into building these rigs out the way they are. And I know, <laughs> I know, I've got a story. Speaking of mistakes, yeah, I mean, I think we all do. I took the bait. Uh, you know, when I first got into this, I'm not gonna lie. My lure was, of you know, car culture, right? I was like, this thing's a it's a it's a awesome truck. You're talking about like building a, a badass rig and driving it off road. Right. Yeah, I'm in. I don't care what else comes next. Camping, sure, but I'm gonna get to build this badass truck. Yep. Right. So I took that bait, but the reality is, like, once I got into it, I was like, eh, maybe it's not so much about the truck. Well, I mean, it is, but it's it's a lot of what we do and like the culture kind of that surrounds like you know Instagram and YouTube yeah. and all that. I mean, there's a lot of focus on the rigs, and there's a lot of focus like at these events. I mean, you run OC Rigs and Coffee, yeah, uh, which is growing yeah. month over month. Yeah, and right. that's one of the reasons why that that kind of gave me the idea to do this podcast, right? And that we started talking about it is because I saw the people that were going to OC Rigs and Coffee, right? right? And and so that runs the gamut from super experienced, but the vast majority of newcomers are li- literally that they're newcomers. Well, right? let's uh, let's let's talk about that real quick. Let's talk about where you started. How you got into it? Let's do let's do some intros since nobody really knows right. who the okay, heck we so are. Okay, so who are we? Okay, so my name's Frank. I've been in the outdoor industry for mm, probably twenty three years. Um, with who? With Shimano. So um, cycling, right? So I've been a mountain biker, road biker. Um, I've been doing that forever. That's where I come from. Um, so loves the spandex. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm more of a baggies kind of guy, but <laughs> but yes, I have donned my fair share of spandex in the past. Um, but that's where I come from. So my experience outdoors and my appreciation for the outdoors has really kind of grown from that, right? Because everything that I do in, you know, for recreation and for work is outdoors. We go mountain biking, different places around the world. And, you know, we travel a ton and we get to experience all these things. And this seemed to me like a natural extension of that. Sure. Right. It kind of allowed me to, to go deeper, go further and go. And honestly, go more remote right go more alone maybe you know with friends but i'm not i'm running into less people on the trail so that's what i've been doing for the last you know 20 some years and that's how i got an overlanding what about you i got started in overlanding kind of through disaster so about two years ago me and my wife it was it was new year's day me and my wife decided like hey let's be spontaneous for the new year let's take the kids sledding Let's go do something really fun. Uh, we have the day off, and so we took off to uh, Wrightwood. And unbeknown to us, there was a there was a major accident. Like I believe it was a fatality accident on the mountain at the very top. And so what ended up happening is we were stuck in this massive amount of traffic at the very bottom of the road. Oh wow! 
So what should have been like a 20, 25 minute drive was looking uh, on ways was like looking at like two and a half hours. Right. Yep. And of course you got two kids in the back at the time. It was, uh, my boys who were, were four and two and they were just miserable. And, uh, and so I wanted to get us up the mountain as quick as possible. And I looked at ways and ways kept telling me, Hey, take this side road. I'm like, heck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Came on, let's go. Okay. Ways. And, uh, so we do the first one and it was bumpy and the kids were having fun and laughing and there was a little bit of mud and we're kind of sliding a little bit, but we got through it and it was a great time. Well, again, you get back on the main road, stuck in traffic and it's like, man, this sucks. Oh, there's another side road it says we'll save 15 minutes done. So we go down this one road and we, we hit this, uh, left turn and we're on this really sketchy road that just got muddier and muddier and muddier. And before I knew it, I was in six inches of gravel, water, rocks, like wow. mud. Just It was just a mess. And and so full disclosure, I'm in a all-wheel drive hatchback wagon, um, not a Jeep. And I don't know what possessed me to think I could keep going, but I kept going past that point where that voice inside your head starts to tell you like, you know what? Maybe you should back off. Maybe you should turn around. I I just kept feeling like, oh, you know, just over the, just around this bend or just over this corner, like I'll, it'll be cool. It just got worse. And so by the time I decided to throw it in reverse, we were stuck and we were high centered and we were stuck really good. I spent two hours throwing everything I could underneath the tires, um, floor mats, twigs, branches. Wow. Yeah. Um, and with the family. And with the family. So, yeah. You know, within the first hour and a half, the kids are crying. They're upset. They're, you know, my wife is just like kind of panicked. Here we were trying to go on this like spontaneous, you know, adventure and it turned into this like spontaneous nightmare. Yeah. And then, you know, after I kind of threw in the towel regarding like actually self-recovery, we started exhausting the channels that we thought would totally save us, like AAA, like the like the highway patrol, you suddenly realize when you're in that situation, especially even, even on a well-trafficked main road, like going to Wrightwood, that your, your items that normally bail you out in the urban setting have no bearing on a side road. Yeah. Those, those, those standard go-tos don't apply at all. Yeah. At all. And that was the first time I ever learned about like specialized recovery and like, yeah. you know, um, what the actual recovery fees are for some of these like specialized companies and, yep. um, and the fact that neither the police nor AAA are of any help whatsoever. Right. No offense to them. They're great. I mean, we use them. We're members, uh, whatever. Like I'm not, I'm not bashing the police or AAA. I'm just saying as a, as a suburbanite, you just have no clue. It was unknown to you at this point that, that not only that taking this road, you assume your own risk, right? That, that these, other agencies and these other services are no longer available the second that you leave this paved road. Right. You're like in a bubble. You're yeah. in a bubble of mentality. Your mentality is in a bubble. You right. Have, you have no clue. Right. You don't even know what to expect. <laughs> so anyways, it's, it's a long story and I'll try to make it short, but the police come, they leave. AAA comes, they leave. Next thing I know, and I had, by this time I had sent my wife up the hill. She's really self-sufficient. So she took the kids, went up the hill, but unfortunately had forgotten her wallet. And in the extra clothes that we had brought. 
So she's up somewhere on the mountain. I'm getting intermittent texts that are like coming in half hour late, one hour late of like wow. her telling me she has no money to her telling me her phone's about to die to her telling me the kids are freezing and that she's begging for money from people. Wow. Yeah. So I take, I, I trek up, I, I hitchhike in the back of a, somebody's pickup truck. Sun's going down. I'm freezing in the back of this truck. Realize I, I should start walking if I want to stay warm. Jump out of the truck. I, I, I hike about five or six miles up to that point to get to the fir- the main lodge up in Wrightwood. Searching for my wife and kids. Don't find them at the main lodge. Come back down to the lower lodge. Somebody tells me they saw a, a woman and a couple kids go to the restrooms. I run in there. I call out my wife's name and the kids' names, and I hear, Papa. And, of course, there's this, like, yeah. tearful reunion. Um, just by luck and chance, on the way back down from the main lodge, I came back down with another guy. We had taken the same tram and both gotten off the tram because it was going two miles an hour. And he ended up being an off-duty police officer from San Bernardino. Oh, wow. Yeah, Officer Rigsby. I will forever be in his debt. And he tells me, hey, find your family. I got my truck. I'll take you guys down to Fontana. Yeah. And uh, he, he drove us all the way down. Actually, I think it ended up being uh, um, Ontario. But he, he took us by that up to there. Then Ashley's mom came and rescued them. And I, I stayed up the night to go recover my vehicle. Yeah, yeah. And you can see the full story on, on, my, uh, on my website. But the following day, I get bailed out by an awesome guy named Steve Ball um, who comes in his Jeep. He had a, I believe he had a CJ. Long arm kid, all that. Yeah, I, yeah. I had no idea what any of that stuff was. <laughs> um, but he was just like full winch, everything. Pulls me out, decides he wants to keep going past where I was because it looked like fun. Yeah, he's your he's the superhero in a, in a CJ. Oh, dude. I mean, <laughs> the fact that he said he was just going to keep going past where I was because it looked fun, that, that really stuck with me. Yeah. And yeah. that's what ultimately made me get the Jeep. Yep. Get Kate. Um, because uh, I'm like... That's that's more along the lines of the lifestyle that I wanted versus buying into this like, you know, love and golden retrievers and, you know, kind of like this marketing image that this, this like, vehicle that I have. image that you're supposed to have living yeah. in these like suburbs of Orange County. And the all-wheel right? drive vehicle that will give you all those experiences. <laughs> exactly, exactly. didn't. And granted, a little common sense would have gone a long way for me. So, yeah, can't uh, discredit that. Anyways, so that's what ended up leading me into the world of Overland. By the time I got out from underneath my payments, um, that's when I made the, the choice and pulled the trigger on the uh, the Jeep Rubicon uh, Unlimited. Yep. It was a 2016, and um, I think uh, <laughs> I think from where I started to where I am now. Oh yeah, I mean, I was the... I was lucky enough to join you when, the, when one of the one of the first times you took it off road. Right. Remember we took it up to it was a Gorman. That's right. Right, yep. and we. <laughs> <laughs> we actually ended up on a rescue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's another story, right? Yeah. Where we ended up on this rescue where these guys in a Jeep Compass—I want to say it was—giant, um, giant hill. If you ever been to Gorman, there's this one climb that's just ridiculous. That I think it's meant for motorcycles. I don't think it's Something. meant for vehicles. It wasn't yeah. meant. It wasn't meant for. A it's Jeep like a forty-degree. Like it's just giant. And these guys got about three quarters of the way up and realized it was a really bad idea. Right. And they tried to make a U-turn at the top, which the is top. which was even a worse On the idea. Incline. Yeah, in sand, ridiculous. Which is even a worse idea. So this thing is like borderline about to flip, and you know, long story short, because because I don't want to hop from story to story, is you know we ended up doing a recovery on that one. Right. And it was 
it was actually pretty impressive. Matt, who's you know we're here for his his bachelor party, um, pulled his two hundred top of the hill, and we winched them up back up the hill, straightened them out, and pulled them all the way up. I mean, it was so steep that when I went down with the line, yeah, I kind of rappelled down. Yeah, you had to hold the line. I yeah, had to hold the line. Exactly. Just to, yeah. Exactly. I don't know so what I wanted. Well, what I wanted to do, you know, I mean, that's an awesome story, and we'll probably come back to it and you know another in a, in a future podcast and spend way more time on that story because it definitely deserves it. But um, you were in a, a unique position with Kate, which is what maybe some people might know. They might know Kate the Jeep. They might follow Kate the Jeep on Instagram. Right. But you were in a, in a unique position when all of this started and this transition and overlanding started. Yeah, so um, I have the benefit of leading the creative team on the marketing and digital side for 511 Tactical. And when I first got exposed to overlanding, this was literally right after I bought my Jeep, I went to Overland West. And I got exposed to like the main line of the world of overlanding and like a direct connection to all the companies and the lifestyle. And I went up there and met up with my buddies, Olaf and Adam, who have been in this world for, you know, years now. And I, and I was just kind of astounded that there was this whole world of people that were all about this preparedness mindset, that were all about the high-end gear, the having everything at all times on them, ready to go. And I'm like, these are these are our people. These are the kind of people that at 511 make the most sense in connecting with and being a part of. And it was exactly what I wanted for myself as well. Right. So it made sense to then take this concept and take what I wanted to do with Kate. Or she, she became known as Kate, and I'll get to that. But, uh, um, and present it to the marketing head and the CEO of 511 at the time. And they loved the idea. And they, they, really, they really felt that this community had legs in terms of connecting with the core consumer that we're trying to go up. I mean, we're really big on the guardian, which is like, you know, your law enforcement, right, um, right. First responder community, but this is kind of what they do on their off time. I mean, we're here and Matt's future brother-in-law is a LA fire department right. or FD, right? Right. There's, yeah, there's guys here that are, I mean, you're right. This is exactly what they do. Former right? military. They, we got Olaf. Right. former military. I mean, these, this is, this is what, like their adventure, their off time looks like. Right. For a lot of them. So when I presented this, they're like, yeah, that's a no brainer. Why aren't we in that space already? And as a result, they allowed me to connect the 511 name with my project, a project which became known as Kate, because once I bought the Rubicon, the first thing I did was I took the kids, threw them in the Jeep, went up to Jeep Hill, which at the time you could get to right out at Holy Jim. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, we went on some of the, the big ruts up, up the steep hills. And I said, hey, boys, so are we going to get stuck? Because up to that point, they thought every time we went to the grocery store, every time I went to go drop them off at school, or every time we just went out to get some food, they thought we were going to get stuck in mud. Yeah. And so I did that so that they can see, no, we're not. And sure enough, they're like, no, we're never getting stuck. I'm like, awesome. Mission accomplished. <laughs> and then I said, okay, do you guys want to name her? They're like, yeah. And so, like, they really connected with her yeah. from that. And, yeah. and they, they came up with Kate. And and everyone's giving me a little bit of shit. They're like, hey, you know what? Like, that's not really, like, a 5.11 style name. Right. <laughs> and, you know, on, on Kate, there is a sticker that says AMV, All Missions Vehicle. And that is the full-on 5.11 style name for right. you. But 
right underneath that it says Kate the Jeep. And that's never going to go anywhere because yeah. that's that's the soul of what this project was based on. Yep. was to ensure that as a father and as a provider and as a protector of my family, when we go out and do these adventures, even if it's a short day of sledding or if it's going on a three-day excursion to Yosemite, we're going to want for nothing. Yeah. And we're not going to have to worry about getting stuck in the mud or not being able to recover or, you know, whatever may come. I'll have days worth of food, which I do, you know, thanks to amazing partners. I've got the ability to self-recover. Yeah. Um, I mean, this this vehicle is just decked. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think Kate alone deserves probably in like an entire episode because just to go through the build list and <laughs> that whole adventure. Right. And it's it's truly awesome and i mean even like in the short time i mean I, we haven't known each other a super long time right but i worked I think, with your wife actually right before yeah. i even met you yeah. exactly yeah so and that's kind of how i met a lot of the guys here actually is when my wife worked at 511 right you know a few years ago so it's it's i think we've been kind of on a parallel journey as far as like beginning this totally like beginning this whole adventure thing and it's been you know when i got my my fj so i drive an fj cruiser and I got that about almost 16 months ago, um, August of, you know, a year and a half ago. So it was um, kind of the same thing, right? Like I had kind of known I wanted to do this. I had um, seen it growing. You know, the community had been growing and there's been, you know, I've seen these rigs and people doing desert runs and whatnot and heard of some of the famous spots, like right? Like, like the Mojave Road. It looked like Road. a lot of fun, right? Exactly. It looked like a lot of fun. But what I didn't know at the time was there's a catch to that fun, right? There's a risk, right? right? And you've got to be prepared, right? You've got to, it's not just a matter of buying a four-wheel drive, which is what I did. I got a four-wheel drive truck and didn't even give much thought into it and right. ended up not keeping it because it was totally not the vehicle for me and for what I wanted to do. So I ended up getting an FJ Cruiser, which is, you know, perfect for me. And, like, it's been, and that's, that's trucky. Right, it's become known as Trucky McTruckface, <laughs> <laughs> and so not named by any kids or anything. Just my, you know, my wife and I are being goofy, but um, same thing, right? It's kind of going through this kind of evolution of what do I need, you know, when do I need it, right? Where am I going, and what are the possibilities of things that can go wrong? Your mentality when, has changed, right? Absolutely, yeah. You're the the way that you approach problems yep. has has totally changed, like just from. You know, a matter of saying, look, these are things that I that I know I can't do, and these are things that I, that um, if I get myself in a situation, you know, I'm going to be screwed, right? To now being like, okay, how do we work through this problem? Right. Right. It's not a matter of of and everything has a solution, right? So now it's it's a matter of digging below the surface and then trying to find a way out, and it's been it's been pretty cool for the last year and a half, you know. And I got started um, with Overland Bound is how I actually got into the whole community as a whole. I met a ton of good people. Um, from that, went on some trips um, and really started gaining that experience. And then the next evolution of that experience was OC Rigs and Coffee. Which right. is also part of Overland Bound, right? It's like an official... Right. It's an official meetup for Orange County. Yep. And so that has been just growing exponentially. And again, right, you start meeting more people. And I think, and I, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, what this really does is is as a community. That's the strength. Right. In this whole thing. Yep. It's a community. Right. And so the more I talk to people, the more we you travel with people, it's all those experiences, all that knowledge that you're collecting along the way. That's really kind of making all of this possible. 
Like it's I like like today, right? We're sitting out here, and yep. I just learned how to start a fire. How, what, was, what do you call it? An upside down? We called it an upside down log cabin. Right, which I had never seen before. And actually, there's a lot of veterans here that have been camping for decades, and they'd never seen it before. Right. And we took a bunch of pictures, so we'll show those. But it was, I mean, it's basically a, a pile of wood, and and I mean like a pile the way you would see a bundle of wood at the store, right? Almost kind of, as if you just threw that bundle exactly in the middle of the pile. Yeah, and then. What what does look like a log cabin over that, just a little square, yeah. kind of, you know, stacked side by side by side, stacked up, and using what he called fatwood. Well, he called it he called it cheating, which right. it was. It was. He used a blowtorch, basically. <laughs> and then he used a blowtorch. to. <laughs> yeah, and then he proceeded to use a blowtorch and to he, light that little log that, cabin. It was called fatty wood. Fatty wood. That's what it that's was. Right. right. And so this wood is super oily, right? It's super rich. Right. And so, oh, by the way, this sound that you're hearing, we're literally out in the desert camping which is, um, I want to get to that in a second, and I'll explain why we're Yeah, those here. are like the ATVs and the Razors, and then I don't know if anybody the heard it, sides. but we had some automatic gunfire coming out from uh, over the <laughs> hills, behind. which is yeah. always fun in the middle of the desert. In the middle of the desert. We're out here <laughs> on BLM land camping tonight. And um, So anyways, starting this fire was, was epic, and those are things that you learn only by going, like you're never going to see that. You know, you wouldn't even think to look to Google that. Like, who Google's upside down log cabin or fatty fire? I don't know. He had this right. fatty firewood from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who? I mean, you can't Google what you don't know, right? So, it's so. Well, that's part of this, right? That's part of like getting out here and being out outdoors with these types of people, where everyone kind of brings something unique. Exactly. Everyone brings something unique and different. Yeah. So, what are we doing out here? Where are we? So we're out in uh, Calico, California. You may have heard of it it's the calico ghost town which yeah. is by the same guy who uh built knott's berry farm and see that's a bit of history that i didn't know until you were telling oh, yeah? Me that, yeah you guys were telling that story and i was like no way and and if you've ever been to knott's berry farm after hearing that bit of history right. it makes total sense yeah how knott's berry farm a lot of the buildings there were um they were basically towns that were bought and then rebuilt in knott's berry farm yeah which is why it has such an authentic kind totally. of vibe to it. Totally. When you it go feels there. like an old town. You're like, who's the said master? You're like, you know, <laughs> prop master, you like kind of put this together. No, right. it's it's literally they they took a town and they re, re That used like, to be a saloon. That used to be a store. Right. That used to yeah. Yep. And so Calico is a, is the same way. So when you go there, I mean it's pretty awesome. Um you'd you'd have to see it like at least once. I mean, a lot of right. people drive by it on the way to Vegas. And I think they discredit it because it just looks like a... It looks like a tourist trap from, like, the side, right? You're like, oh, there's sure. probably nothing we're seeing there. But it's, it's just outside of Barstow in the middle of the desert. But it's that's, it's really cool. It's It's got a lot of cool little shops. And then it's got a great bar. Really? Oh, it's got a great bar. It's got such a nice patio. And um, it's if, like, you come out here to camp for a couple of days, highly recommend hitting up the Calico Ghost Town Bar. Um, it's, just, it's just a good time. We should have done the podcast for there. Right, yeah. Done it from the bar. <laughs> no doubt. Well, I mean, I got my beer here, so. <laughs> yeah, I've got mine, too. Yeah, we're good. We're good on the bar front. So, that's pro so anyways, that's why you hear um, these side-by-sides occasionally kind of barreling by and, you know, gunfire and maybe a jet and occasionally will go by, too. Right. But, that's, but that kind of goes on. That segues into kind of the next point, which is this is the feel that we want for this podcast. We want it to be authentic campfire conversation just you know you're listening in on conversations that we'd probably be having anyway right, right now yep. right sitting around a campfire with a bunch of dudes and you know occasionally our wives um and just you know shooting the shit and having a conversation and you know debating you know rigs suspension gear you know life 
yep. whatever, right? Whatever, whatever comes out of that moment. And, you know, so we thought the first podcast would be awesome to actually do record it when we're out here watching this epic sunset. I mean, I wish way. I could share the sunset with everybody because it is, I mean, the sky is so big out here. And yeah. it's just like, there's these shades of like violet and cyan and, and then yellow. you have, yeah, it goes into yellows and blues. It's crazy and, out here. And oranges <laughs> and gold. Like, I mean, that's, I mean, for me, that's the biggest draw are these moments where you're just kind of like in awe of the world around you and you really get in the middle of nature and granted, you know, there's a lot of stigma attached to um, OHV and um, just people with four wheels coming into these natural spots. But I mean, as long as we respect the environment around us and we, you know, follow the leave no trace mentality, right? the roads are there. We're simply driving on them. And beyond right. that, that's it. We're not we're not going off the trail. And if anything, you know, you know I mean, and we as a group in general, you know, we try to contribute as much as possible, right? Like I've stopped on many trips and picked up beer cans on the side of the road. Weren't you just part of a cleanup in Joshua Tree? Yes. So, yeah. So we did that. Yeah. Right. We did that last week. We went out with uh, Roaming Lost and SoCal Overland and Lost Sasquatch. Not, not the name drop, but those are the guys that organized all that. Right. And so um, we went out with them and we did a, a, a sizable cleanup. Just outside of Joshua Tree, we were going to go to Joshua Tree. Actually, that was the plan. That's how all this started. Roaming Lost, um, Kingston is his name. He uh, he he threw out this idea on Instagram, I think, and said, "Hey, you know, with the with the government shutdown, wouldn't it be great if we as a community come together and clean up the mess that's in the headlines?" Right. And everyone like immediately jumped on board and said, "Absolutely, let's do that." And so everyone contributed. Um, everyone spread the word as much as they could. Um, we ended up getting upwards of 35, almost 40 rigs, I think, that showed up. Uh, we all caravaned out there. Um, but the day before, we got waved off of actual Joshua Tree proper because the locals had already taken care of it. Right. Like Friends of Joshua Tree, uh, the Mojave Desert um, Land Trust, they had already been organizing cleanups and they took care of it. But that doesn't mean there were other sections that didn't need our attention, right? So we were directed just north to Sunfair. And Sunfair... Um, once we got there, it was blatantly obvious how horrible it was. And that's just yep. BLM land. So that honestly isn't affected by the government shutdown. Right. It's 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 always open. No one goes out there. No one's doing cleanups. No one's charging for camping spots. Right. There's no there's no attention. Right. Really but going I think the, the point of the matter is, is there's been like I said, there's been some negativity associated with it. And speaking to Joshua Tree, there was that recent news article that went out um I think it was Nat Geo that was. Uh, oh right, kind of the, the cut down Joshua Tree, right? right? That some off some four by fours, you know, off roaders, right, were trying to basically build and cut a new cut a new line into in through Joshua Tree. And right. The reality was is the 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 shot that they showed was just some random fallen tree, and I and I can understand they were trying to show an image that might fit the story, but it was it was really kind of hearsay. Well, yeah, it was it was hearsay at best. And the reality came out a few days later, or maybe it was even more, a little bit longer than that. That it was, it was just total fabrication. Like it wasn't even, it didn't, it never even happened. Yeah, like somebody kind of maybe brought it to somebody's attention. They thought it sounded like a good story. They ran with it, given the government shutdown. Right. And, it was just one more headline to throw into the cycle. And what's really funny is, is I think through the efforts of those organizations at Joshua Tree, and even you guys kind of getting involved, and I think other groups got involved as well in cleanups, that. The government ended up extending the funding uh, for the park and right. kept so it the, open. So the rangers came back. Yep. Um, I think they realized, 
and you know this is just you know my opinion right just us talking speculation like, yeah you know the, the but i but i do think they were right in op- in reopening the park for the sense that you having no one there is a bad idea right because everyone's going to Joshua Tree Joshua Tree is probably one of the most popular national parks in southern california in recent you know in recent years and so having no one there is for sure a bad idea because right. shenanigans happen right when no one when no one's watching and so you know, by reopening it, you have rangers there. They're charging camping fees, and then they're b- turning those fees directly back into the park to pay for the cleanup while right. the government is shut down. Right? Pay for the, the the bathrooms to be cleaned and and you know cleaned out by trucks and whatnot. So definitely, I think it was the it was the wise move. Um, but you know, and we'll take care of the rest. Right? What what the beneficial thing, if anything good came out of this government shutdown, it's that it really kind of woke us up to a need. And a responsibility that we have as, uh, as users of this land, right, to take care of this land, right, and how we can't rely on the government, or local government, federal government, to take care of every square inch of land, but it is going to fall on us and our responsibility to keep it open, right, through action. Because, yeah, they're not going to come out here and clean it, but if we destroy it, they will come out here and shut it down. Yep, and and that all leads to the point of even though we're getting out there in these vehicles. We're we're good stewards of the environment. At the end us. of the day, that's exactly what it should be, right? Yeah. Is that we're, is that anyone who is part of this community should is is should also be taking on a responsibility, you know, to the land that you're using, right? Not exploit it, sure. but in but appreciate it. And this isn't an argument between like off road and overland. Totally I, not. But I can speak to the fact that the the overlanding mentality is deeply rooted in the leave no trace. And I know there's a lot of off-roaders out there who like to go wheeling who also have the same mentality. There's always going to be a few guys who are going to ruin it for the rest. Oh, absolutely. It's always going to be bad actors, right? It's, it's always going to be that small percentage. But I hate, I, I, I truly hate when people try to zero in on an entire community based off of the actions of a few. Yeah, and that happens. We see that all the time, right, in all kinds of other forms, right, whether it's race, religion, politics you name it right you always pigeonhole the whole group right for for the actions of a few right and so i think the nice thing about what's happening right now is that the community as a whole is separating themselves from that small group of, of bad actors right right they're we're actively going out and doing good things and for example you know there's now another one planned for march it's going to be gigantic i'm pretty sure it's going to be huge um, because there's just so much momentum behind it. And I think it was a real eye-opener to people that there is a degree of responsibility. And the best part is, the part that I find completely amazing, is that they're willing to accept that responsibility, right? They're not. It's, it's not like you're being asked to do chores, right? Sure. No, hey, it's people like are, everyone... People are fired up it's to like go a out fun in the event. desert. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, one thing, kind of going back to... Uh, to, to talking about how we decided to start this. Our original, original idea was, oh, we could set up in a living room. Right. But going back to your, your whole concept of authenticity, um, we originally were thinking we were going to record it from OC Rigs and Coffee. Right. But just being out here and actually being at one of our, you know, um, group slash family meetups, it makes sense to kind of bring, bring people kind of into our world. Absolutely. And and part of that is, I mean, I guess we could kind of talk about what we've done on this trip so far. Like, you Yeah, know. it's been a pretty good one so far. Yeah, what, what's been your highlights? I mean, we've been here for a day and a half now. Well, 
my highlight is probably not going to be the highlight of anybody listening. Because yeah. <laughs> my highlight is actually getting a good night's rest camping. <laughs> oh, yeah? Last night? <laughs> yeah. Really? I slept really well last night. And, this, and so, obviously, you know, you... You've, most of you, 99% of you listening, have probably never have never camped with me. But that has been a struggle for me since like the beginning, is finding a comfortable way to sleep. And I'm not talking about, and I, and I don't have high expectations, right? Like I'm not coming out here <laughs> with the assumption that I'm gonna sleep the way I sleep at home right. on my, you know, awesome mattress, that you know, memory foam and whatnot, right? Like I'm, I don't have a super high bar, but I do want to sleep, and I don't want to wake up feeling like I just came out of a box, you know, like I just came out of like this like six by four box completely like cramped inside of it sure right like you know shoulders and stuff and you know let's let's face it i'm getting we're getting old i was gonna say me but we're all about the same age you know we're getting old and you know stuff just yeah, hurts 40. now yeah stuff just hurts now man like <laughs> i mean i'm just i'm staring at you right now because yeah. i did not get a good night's sleep i froze my ass off you're in the luxury penthouse sure. man you're yeah like... i mean i hate this is not <laughs> this is not to discredit how amazing my uh my free spirit tent is. Yeah. <laughs> I've got that uh plug. That yeah, it's a total plug. <laughs> I mean, but but just because it's a fact, it's what I have. Yeah. It's a massive tent though. So one body in that king size mattress size tent is not enough. Yeah. And it, got it was chilly. really cold last night. And honestly, last night was – I mean, yeah, it was cold. And my I mean, sleeping bag sucks. Yeah. And see, that's the thing, right? That's, that's why something I'm, I got to look into. So that's why I'm saying for me tonight was a game changer because I – and I – I've been tweaking and like adjusting my, my, you know, what I bring to sleep, right? So my sleeping bag, sleeping pad, the tent. And so when I did the Mojave Road, one, it was insanely cold. Well, for those in the Midwest right now, it, it's not. But for California, it was cold. It was 24 degrees overnight. And my one, my sleeping bag didn't cut it. Two, I was in this small tent that was supposed that's you know like if you've bought tents you know this you know it says it's for two people but it's for two people that want a spoon all night <laughs> like it's tiny right so i will I, not be sharing that tent with you right <laughs> so it was so i got super claustrophobic in it um and i wasn't warm so like every time something brushed up against the tent like a like a branch or some little like field mouse it felt like it was brushing up against my shoulder which you know quite literally it was oh look at that bronco Oh, yeah. Look at those guys go. I've seen that guy. Um, Is that an international scout? Yes. There? I've seen that guy, uh, actually. He's he's come to one of the meetups in Orange County. Oh, really? Yes. Very cool. Oh, um, he's the one. That's the engine that we yes. hear. When he, uh, very yes. Cool. Yeah. So, sorry. <laughs> We're geeking out in cars. Hazard of the location. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, so what I, what I changed up, because for those of you who have struggled sleeping outdoors in the cold, this is the bit you want to hear, right? Is, um, I changed. I still have a sleep a three inch sleeping pad. It's inflatable. That's insulated and inflatable. Um, that's been fine. I I am trying out a Nemo spoon. They call it a uh, sleeping bag, and the reason for that is I'm a side sleeper, and so it's a twenty degree sleeping bag. So it should be plenty for what we're experiencing out here tonight. It's in the thirties, um, and but it's got a ton of extra room at the knees and at the shoulders right so if you're a side sleeper that's where you consume a lot of space okay that's interesting. Right? yeah and because my other sleeping bag was a not warm enough and b it was tiny like it felt i felt like and it wasn't even a mummy bag but if i just felt like i was encased in this thing right so just waiting to die in the cold <laughs> so 
Um, so that was that was number one, right? There are which a ton which, of bugs out here. Sorry. <laughs> which was a, a complete success. Um, number two was um, I bought a Mr. Buddy heater or a Mr. Heater Buddy. Oh, yeah, the ones with the little propane tanks. Yes, little little one gallon propane tank. I almost tank. bought one, and of course I leave everything to the last minute, so it didn't make it to this. But yeah, I've got it in my Amazon cart right now. Yep. So I bought it. Um, this is not a plug, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> this is just one of those necessities. Right. It, it totally isn't. Like none of these things. No one's paying us to say any of these things, right? This is just my gear that I've been kind of collecting and reconfiguring and trying to get right for the last, you know, whatever, you know, year. So, um, I turned the heater on. Um, and oh yeah, sorry. The third piece is a bigger tent. Right. So now I'm in this like giant tent that my wife and I use. Um, usually I only take it when she goes with me, um, because I can put a little table in there. We can you know put our sleeping bags down. There's plenty of room and for all our gear to go inside, um, at least shoes and stuff like that. So I brought that this time by myself. Nice. So the combination of those three things, total win. I one I was able to get at least a few inches away from the wall so that thing when every time the wall moved it wasn't tapping on my shoulder or any any other part of me um i was able to take care of the cold situation because i got a warmer sleeping bag and then i had the mr buddy heater um which was fantastic for when just general sitting in the tent like it was just comfortable in there right and then you know last little bit because i'm sure this is already getting boring um (laughs) so i'm a morning shower person like i don't know if you are but I have to shower in the morning, um, or or I don't function that day. Right. I feel like I never really truly get started. Um, I just feel like lazy and it's just, kind of your routine. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and so obviously when you're camping, you don't do that, right? So I I bought these um, these giant body wipes. They're just like that sounds really weird, but <laughs> they're like they're like wet wipes, That's but they're they yeah. but they're gigantic, right? Like towel size or small towel size, and you you can do your whole body with this thing so now that i have my tent nice and warm <laughs> i have no problem taking off the three layers that i'm wearing right and now this is the sexy part <laughs> this is where it gets Cue the creepy music right <laughs> <laughs> no but really right like i can take yeah. this kind of pseudo shower with this like thing and you know what it works yeah so i mean those things work it's one of those uh tricks of the trade right yeah it's like hey it's about if, being comfortable. If right? you're worried about your cleanliness on the trail, well, there's there's things out there that can make it a lot more um, bearable. For, and it's not even so much the cleanliness part because I can deal with one day not showering, right? Sure. Um, it's not going to ruin anyone. And I don't think I smell bad enough that I'm going to ruin anyone else's day. Right. Um, but it is about the routine. And it is about how I feel the rest of the day. And I feel I feel awake. Once right. that happens, like I'm, I'm good to go. I can I can tackle whatever's coming at me. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, right after this, uh, tomorrow, I head up for uh, the SHOT Show in Vegas. Yep. And basically, I, I, I had to pack for basically six nights. <laughs> so my, my Jeep is full, but uh, I am looking forward to that shower as soon as I get in on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So what was your highlight of this weekend? Because we only have this night. This is our last night out here. Yeah, so I guess I guess my highlight was I... I'm basically Matt's um, best man for his wedding. So I took it upon myself to kind of throw in a little extra value on this trip. And I got to cook for everybody last night. And I got to cook again for everybody this morning. We made some really bomb breakfast burritos. Which, by the way, was amazing. Like, last night's dinner was epic. Oh, I'm like, glad you I haven't, so. I haven't, I don't eat that well even in my house. <laughs> like, 
That was a little burger barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. This is one thing. And we'll, and we have to come back to that after you answer the question that I asked and then interrupted you on. All good. Um, but yeah, so go on. No, I mean, I just like bringing people together and usually food, food is a really, really good way to bring people together and, uh, connect with everyone. And cause there are some new faces here and, uh, and just give back, um, for all the good times we end up having yeah. on the trip. It makes me feel good to, to fill a few bellies full of food and, um, have some good times together. So for me, it's just kind of that whole opportunity to, uh, um, provide that, yeah. that makes me kind of stoked to be out here on these trips. And, you know, um, a couple of weeks ago I went and did the Mojave road with uh trail recon and right. Overland right. X American Overland who else VTW venture the wild and, uh, SoCal Ruby, I believe. Um, great group of guys and i and i just use instagram names because that's just that's what we know now right that's that's, what we know now i mean just we meet a lot of we meet each other through instagram right (laughs) that's just the world we live in like it's not even about it used to be different it used to be oh it's about you know instagram or whatnot but now the reality is like that's just how we communicate now yeah i mean okay that's where the community lives now sorry okay brad marco (laughs) uh rob josh chris but see if you say that if you say that right everyone listening has no idea what you're talking about right but if you you say some instagram names exactly they're like oh that guy i can go look him up yeah Yeah, exactly go and you should you should go look him up because all these guys aside from having amazing rigs are awesome photographers and tell really cool stories through uh, there are different feeds and you know for me that's the highlight of instagram is just yeah being exposed so between these types of podcasts uh video videos on youtube and then uh these really cool instagram accounts there's just such a wealth of knowledge information and exposure to really cool things so right right yeah yeah all about it um but yeah the highlight was was the cooking that's awesome sure. yeah so the cooking was was delicious. There goes that that scout again. There goes that guy again. Yeah, man, that thing just sounds amazing. I hope I hope you guys can hear it because it's got a rumble. Moment Is there an LS in there? Moment of silence to just to listen <laughs> and watch it go. <laughs> yeah, I think there is. Uh, I think he did he did do like a three fifty or something like that in there. Um, so the chicken that you made. So Ollie had these swords, right? Which That's we call them swords. Skewers. They're, they're skewers, but they're like, they look like little swords. They're like an inch wide. Yeah, and they're long. I mean, they were like what good 14 16 inches long that's what she said <laughs> family show um so just kidding it's not um <laughs> it's totally not actually that's a good point you brought up that it, it really it's not even not a family show but it's just hey like we're it's just, just campfire talk right just a couple of dudes you know yeah like yeah whatever right yeah. we're not trying to go places on purpose we don't we're not trying to create shock value but sometimes we're just talking man. sometimes we're just talking we're just talk. yeah so marinated chicken on the skewers and then this is where Ollie really went all out, I thought, because he's out there with he he grabbed the sh- my shovel off off the truck and he is digging this pit and not just like digging a hole like it's a a just rectangular pit. He's taking the time to measure it out. He's stacking rocks around the edges, and I'm looking at him like he's meticulously building this thing, and all with a purpose, right? right? All yep. of it with a purpose. He knows what he, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly how he wants to look. Well, I and learned what happened last year <laughs> when we came out here. We do this every year, and last year was a shit show. Sorry. Yeah, and bad. so 
so when it finally he's building this little teepee right to start his fire in it and then he, you know he gets it all going and he's you know growing it and stacking it and growing it like like i'm not the only reason i'm spending so much time on this is because i'm watching you and there's just an amount of care like it's, right. it's not even like i'm just throwing well, this thing together like it's like i'm i i care of the outcome there's this a backstory i mean Last year we came out to Calico and I and I kind of had the same kind of meal planned. Um, we had beef last year, and uh, I just kind of piggybacked off the main fire pit and just kind of made a makeshift like area, and it was horrible. Like there was ash on the meat, and like meat oh. was like kind of like right on top of the coals. Like there was no thought to that. One. Right, it was just kind of hobbled together. It was like winging it. it oh, it was so yeah. bad. So this year I told myself I'm like, you know what, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through that again. I'm gonna do it right, and yeah. So yeah, I did. I I spent a lot of time, but dude, it yeah. came out oh, came, came out, out solid, delicious. That chicken and then the bread, he, he wrapped it. So once the chicken was, it was done, like Persian burritos. Yeah, he wrapped <laughs> it. The whole all the chicken took it off a skewer, laid it on this big sheet of bread that was so long. He wrapped it on over the chicken, and it was just like this giant blanket. And so you would just tear off pieces of bread, wrap the chicken in it, yep. and then you had this spread. It was well. It's yogurt and shallots. Yeah, basically. But it's all it was. Yeah. It just set it off. I mean, it was, and that's another, and that's exactly like well, the other reason I love coming to these things. There's a lot of really good cooks. Yeah. In yeah. the Overland community, like the outdoor community, like we we do this stuff. You want for not when it comes to food on these things. There's right. always an abundance. You of eat food. good. Yeah, you, you, you eat really, good. You eat really good. I mean, and, and part of that's because like people have onboard fridges, so the kind of Things you can bring with you, right, are above and beyond what you'd normally just right. have in a cooler, especially when you're on an extended stay. Um, in the and desert. like you experienced, it's an evolution, right? Because right. your first go was not obviously how it turned out yesterday, right? Right. The first time you did it, it was not the same, and you learn and you evolve. Yep. And so, like when someone first told me, "Hey, I'm gonna bring all these ingredients. I'm gonna dice this, cook that, make this kind of glaze and whatnot." Like you start sounding, like, you start sounding like you need a full kitchen, right? And you start sounding like this is gonna be an ordeal. Like I'm camping, can we, I'll just have a PB and J and call it a night, right? But, but. You, what you don't recognize or realize sometimes is that this isn't their first time. Right. This is an evolution. This has taken, you know, this has been developed <laughs> over 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 a long period of time to where now they're comfortable doing all this stuff. Yeah. They have a they have a system and a method, and the end result is fantastic. Totally. Well, I think that might be a good place to wrap up. Episode I, one. My hands are starting to freeze. Yeah, it's holding getting cold. This the, mic sun, right now. the sun has gone down. We're holding these. Metal we need mics. we need mic stands <laughs> for mic one. Warmers. <laughs> Two. I've got my jacket wrapped over the back of the chair because when we first started this, it was nice. It was nice. Yeah. It was, the, the sun was still out, and the sun was actually on its way down, and it was warm enough to actually appreciate it. Now we're in the dark. Now we're starting to get in the dark, and we're getting eaten by bugs. The bugs are covering us. Right, so this is real, right? So this is this, this is not the, happy right now. Yeah, this is this. I want to get by the fire. The this, fire is far away. We didn't want an audience, so for our first inaugural podcast, yeah, we were a little self conscious, but also we wanted to be out here and like just experience distraction free, kind of what's happening and take it all in from a distance. Yep. But now we want to go back to the fire because the smoke will get rid of these bugs, and also it'll warm us up. So yeah. on that note. Well, I want to thank you for listening because this is our first podcast. Me too. Thank you guys so much. And I guess we would have to give a couple nods out to yes. a few people. Uh, one of which is the Rig Supply. Yep. They do 
They do a lot within the community. They are hardcore Overlanders themselves. Yeah, they're members um, of the community for sure. Yeah, and uh, and it was my initial conversation with the owner that led to the beginning of my project uh, with Kate. Actually, I, I owe them a lot as far as like some initial guidance and direction. Um, and they've been cool enough to come on board as the the title sponsor for our podcast right now. So big, huge thanks to Rick Supply. You can check them out at rigdsupply.com. Um, and, you know, the reality is is I'm supporting them just because of how how much they kind of gave me in the beginning without asking me anything right, for it. Right, right. And, uh, you know, we are, we are called Rig for Dirt, and it just kind of made sense. Granted... Neither of us have a Forerunner or a Tacoma, and these guys are huge <laughs> into the Toyota scene. That's true. I That's mean, true. It, had we had those vehicles, we'd be a lot better off. Had this they, planned out better, like, or we planned this to be more of a commercial endeavor. Right. I mean, because they just <laughs> came out with their Ultra Swing, which is a really cool attachment for the back right. of your Forerunner, which allows you to carry an extra tire. Yeah, yeah. And, and add on rotos and it's just kind of pre-built and built really well yeah with it's a just, lot of and, experience. and it's, a, it's an add-on part right so it's not like you have to you know take something apart cut right. something weld something yeah. you know it's just it's an add-on part the that makes total sense yeah 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 it made me want a forerunner don't get me wrong i love my fj oh and yeah i'm, I'm not gonna get rid never of getting rid of that fj yeah. cruiser but but it definitely kind of got me jonesing and that's okay that's what this tire it, that's what a tire swing can do sure <laughs> i mean you jonesing for another it's, vehicle it's cool to have a company like that um Supporting us because of the thought that they put behind what they do and the type of things that they're involved with just kind of spill over to everything we do as well. Right. I mean, um, I spent a lot of time with those guys. And the reality is it doesn't matter if you're running a Toyota, a Jeep, uh, a Chevy. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, even on this trip. The community all kinds. is a community. Yeah. On this trip, we have a Land Rover. We have a, a we had a, a Colorado, um, a Subi. We had, you know, yep. the the Jeep, and then uh, there's a Tundra. Um, to that point, you can get a lot of different parts from Rick Supply. So yeah, check them out online. Great guys. Awesome customer service. You won't be sorry. And, uh, and yeah, um, follow follow me and Frank. Uh, yeah. My Instagram is at Kate the Jeep, the official 511 Tactical Jeep Project. My Instagram is at Trucky McTruckface. That's Trucky underscore McTruckface. Um, not sponsored by anybody. Just sponsored by my wallet and occasionally my wife's good, my wife's kindness. <laughs> I am sponsored by everybody in the world, but we can get to that <laughs> another time. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out to Casey Highlights because they've been uh, amazing, and I will be attending King of the Hammers with yep, them yep, this year. We'll be so, out there, absolutely. Yep, uh, we're gonna we're gonna do our next podcast from King of the Hammers. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. That's gonna be an experience I've never been. So I've never been either. I've only seen pictures and videos. If you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening to a couple of guys just uh, shooting from the hip. Yeah, around a, around a campfire. Have a good night.